Hello and welcome to the Pirates Fan Forum here on DK Pittsburgh Sports Podcast Network. I'm your host, Gary Morgan. With me as always, my good friend, Jim Stam. How you doing, brother? Good, man. A little road weary. I don't recommend uh, two 12-hour drives in four days. Um, <laughs> I'm still recovering from that. And uh, but I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to depend on Josh to bring some energy for me today and Gary, yeah. you always. So, yeah, I'm about to embark on another drive myself into Ohio for a wedding, Jim. Oh. I'm telling you, we got to launch this Zoom wedding thing. It's got to happen. <laughs> we'll, we'll call it we'll call it Pirates Misery Index Wedding. <laughs> well, you know, facilitators or something along those lines. But let's go ahead and welcome to the show for the first time somebody I should have had on a very long time ago, Josh Freeze. He is a statistician by trade, and that gives him a unique look at baseball. And for some reason, he's chosen to look at the Pirates. But I met him at a game a long time ago, told him we were going to have him on the show, completely ignored him for like a year. And <laughs> okay, I, I get the same treatment, Josh. Don't worry about it. So, Josh, how you doing, brother? I'm doing good. And speaking about weddings, I am also going to one next weekend. So, so you know, get the Zoom wedding thing going. I'm done. Really I'm done. So I don't have to go to Erie. What are these okay. people doing to us? I, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, like, we get it. You love each other. Cool. <laughs> have us over to your new house. Like, you know, let's have let's have a barbecue in your backyard of your new house that you got. And together. certainly don't start the wedding at exactly the time of kickoff for the pit game. That's right. another thing I got to work right. on. And if you do it uh, more than once, like you and I have enough's enough. Yeah. Yeah. I we're mean, over it. it. Admit we're defeat. Okay. Nobody needs to give you presents again. Like it's over. Yeah. All right. So let's get into our conversations today because we're going to talk about some other combatants and, uh, it's kind of old news, but I like for us to have our take on it after we've had time to digest it. Brian Hayes, he decided to, on social media, just go ham on, on the umpiring crew that he had the other night. And I haven't seen any ramifications for it. He hasn't been suspended that I've heard of, and he hasn't gotten any kind of fine that I've heard of. So... Maybe he was just that right. But what were your initial thoughts? Because I know that this is something you almost had to backtrack on. So you you weren't even part of listening to everyone's initial, you know, reach arounds for Cabrian Hayes being super bad. Yeah. Yeah. I, I didn't get to see it live. I got back and had to catch up on everything. And so, yeah, that's a little bit different of a perspective. I'm still kind of processing it. But what I will say is... Um, before we get into anything specifically, I will just say that I kind of like hearing guys on this team speak up and speak out a little bit, you know, um, showing a little bit of balls about balls and strikes. I mean, you know, it's just one of those things where, you know, Hayes is mild mannered and soft-spoken. Brian Reynolds is mild-mannered and soft-spoken. Mitch Keller is mild. So you've got all these guys that are kind of some of your better performers right? Uh, or need to be, and they don't speak a ton. So A, it tells me one, he was extremely, extremely frustrated to go on afterwards and do that. But bigger picture for me is I like seeing that. Um, 
hey, if you get fined for it, which he hasn't, maybe he will, suspended, oh, well, I, it's, it's reached a boiling point, and I think it did for him individually. One would think the team should eat that too. I mean, like it's, that's one of those things, Josh, it, it, it hasn't been a, a tweet or X or whatever we're calling it nowadays from, from Cabrian Hayes in his personal account since January, I would have to say he was pretty irritated to have gone on Twitter and put that up. I mean, what were your gut reactions to it? Did you like it? Did you hate it? I, I loved it. I, I love that he spoke up, you know, especially since keys, not a guy that we usually hear talk really at all. And I also love that he gave us the behind the scenes of, you know, the fact that he talked to the umpire after the game and what the umpire said back to him. I I think that's more than the wrong call. I think hmm. that is what set him off was, was the reaction that he got from the umpire when he, when he basically said, you screwed me here. He just said, I gave you a shot to hit a home run. I mean, He's probably lucky he didn't need a fist, right? (laughs) Maybe Karai's that that afraid to hurt his hand again. But that that comment would have set me off because, first of all, that's it's ridiculous. You screwed up. You actually took took more of a chance away from me doing anything, and you know, in an at bat, you 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 altered josh you're the big you're the big numbers guy you know what it means when counts go from three one to three two or you know oh two to or one one to oh two or so i mean like it changes things drastically and for him to sit there and say i gave you a chance to hit home run i mean that is something you'd, you'd you'd hear from some moron on twitter not not a professional baseball umpire that knows man it just that pissed me off yeah, oh yeah. And I think that was the, the pitch he uh the umpire called on on. I think that was supposed to give Key a walk. It yeah. was. It was a three one count. Yep. Especially yeah, late late in late games. in the game, he's thinking if I get on and then the next guy gets on, then we're right in it, you know. Mm-hmm. It was pretty much deciding the game. I think that's that's what annoyed him. And I want I gotta put up Yark's comment here because he's right. I thought it was a fake account too. First thing I did is made sure it wasn't a fake account because it's so out of character and so rare for Major League Baseball players to do that. We've had Kutch talk out against umpires earlier this year, too. So, you know, the leadership of this team definitely has felt disrespected by the umpires. And I think to a degree, Jim, you and I have talked about this before. You know, a lot of the calls they don't get. Well, you're not going to get if you don't take the bat off your shoulders and and. If you're not going to get if you're a team that looks like a doormat. So I think yeah. it, there's a reason we're starting to see some of that here in September. This team is starting to get tired of being a doormat. And I think another perfect example of that, Josh, was Johan Oviedo the other night not taking an ounce of crap from Ronald Acuna. Ronald Acuna does that for those that don't watch the Braves. And and I know that a lot of you hate the Braves, but they're a great baseball team. So I have been really trying to go out of my way to watch them a little bit this year because I think they're going to go a long way. Ronald Acuna, one of the most fun baseball players in this league, I think. I love watching him. I think he's incredible. But he does that once a week, minimally, like to, to whoever is pitching against him. He does not want pitched inside. 
I loved Johanna Oviedo just standing up to him. Like, and his quote afterwards was literally like, if you're not going to do something, don't step towards me. (laughs) You know, know, there's your opportunity. I'm right here. Do something. I loved it. What'd you think of that? Oh, I, I loved it too. Uh, I loved everything about it. Um, It, it reminded me of, I graduated high school in 2013. So, you know, those 13 to 15 pirates stayed close to my heart. And it reminded me of that pitching staff, you know, with Burnett and Liriano, like leading the charge and having that attitude and pitching inside. And I loved everything about it. And like you said, his quote afterwards on the second time when he laughed and he's like, he already had a chance to do something. I was like, yes. (laughs) it was a very it was a very aj burnett response both in game and afterwards about it he's got that mentality doesn't he? yeah he's a big boy i don't know if i'd want to be tangling with 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 a big guy that's nice all the time that usually doesn't end well for whoever tries that he definitely has a a want to not only sit down the other team's best players but do so embarrassingly he yeah. wants that fight. He wants to have that. He wants to be that guy with his chest puffed out. I love every second of it. And he may not ultimately be a Cy Young winner or whatever, but first, I think he's one of the only locks we have that, that will be back next year in this rotation for sure. And I love what he brings to the mix. So super excited to see that. Excited in general to see the team kind of puffing their chest out a little bit more and, and just it's a good thing to see. We have to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to answer some of these questions we have in the chat. And we're going to talk about more of a national subject because I do think it's important we cover the, the game of baseball and its health in general as well. Pittsburgh Sports, we take pride in coverage that connects our city's fans to their favorite teams. Now, that connection's stronger than ever. Introducing our all-new state-of-the-art app. Find expert inside reporting and original podcasts. Check live box scores. Track the latest stats. Chat it up with our community of thousands of fans, all in one place. The new app from DK Pittsburgh Sports. Coverage that connects. Welcome back to the Pirates Fan Forum here on DK Pittsburgh Sports Podcast Network. Please subscribe, hit that little bell, get your notifications, like the show. If you're on Apple Podcasts, it really helps if you rate things on Apple Podcasts. It it actually ups our rating on other services that call on Apple. So even if you're not a regular Apple user, but you have an iPhone, check the show out there and give us a rating. It might help us out a little bit. So thank you for everything that you do. And thank you for being here. Let's move on. We got a story that Jim, you pointed to me, but I had already read, but I reread it because if it's interesting to you, it usually tells me I should pay attention to it a little closer than I may have the first time. Yeah, this is, this is interesting. All right. Yeah. So we get a story from Mari Brown and, and, 
covering the A's financial situation and their whole move to Las Vegas, uh, the owner for the A's said basically that they were going to lose $40 million this year. And basically, Mari called BS. Okay. <laughs> he wrote a piece. He said, This is BS. You're not losing $40 billion, $40 million this year. Well, then somebody internally leaked him some documents and he was able to get some of them independently verified wrote a whole nice piece about it i'll i'll shoot it out there on twitter just make sure that you look it up and read it for yourself it's free it's on forbes this isn't like you know on some blog that's like buried in you know mexicali <laughs> you know baseball coverage I'll, or I'll retweet it too um josh i don't know if you've seen it but yeah it's just it's uh-huh. just it's it's something that I think every pirate fan should read just to kind of see what he's saying. So they do have some exact numbers in there and some that kind of pertain to a lot of uh, revenue sharing figures that are distributed around the, the game itself. And some are pretty specific to Oakland, but I think the moral of the story, it's a pretty long read, but the moral of the story, Jim basically comes down to, Life as a small market team in Major League Baseball is not fun. And that is probably one of the most verifiable articles that I've read on the subject that had some real numbers. We've always guessed. We've always thought we knew. But I think it's safe to say that if the Pirates are making money, they're not making nearly as much as some people would like to believe. And the A's, at least based on a lot of information this guy's got a hold of, have lost money seven straight years. So, and, and even when they were winning with Moneyball, they're winning with Moneyball and cleaning house to try to recoup the, the losses that they took from even their modest reaches into payroll. So, I mean, what were your takeaways, Jim? Because you're the one that pointed this to me, so I'm sure you had some thoughts in the first place. Yeah, I mean, I guess the word that I would use first and foremost is it was enlightening Um, because I do think that, and look, people can take this segment however they want. I don't care. I still don't think Nutting's a good owner. I still don't think he spends to his uh, capabilities. But... I walked away from that thinking, okay, this is just this is just so much bigger than the pirates at this point. And yeah. I, I don't know how baseball wraps its arms around this. And 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 they don't seem to be very interested in helping very much. So uh, I, I I guess I left thinking okay, the problem's probably bigger than even I was giving it credit for, and I thought it was big to begin with. Yeah, because Josh, one of the nuggets I took away from it, aside from what Jim was just pointing out, was it looked to me like if they didn't have such a really legitimately sweet RSN deal in Oakland, this could have been over a minute ago. I mean, as far as them even being a viable franchise. So, and at that, it sounds like moving to Vegas is kind of a little bit of a pipe dream that that's even going to help because they're going to lose a lot of that RSN money. And then they're hoping that attendance is so great that it fixes things. Yeah. I, 
I think I took the the big takeaway that you said, um, where life as a small market is hard. But I also think I I took the takeaway that Oakland's a special case on yeah. how they are losing money, I think, compared to most other small markets. Because, you know, their stadium is kind of falling apart. You know, if we compare it to Pittsburgh, you know, a lot of people would want to go to PNC Park purely because of like the view and stuff like that. Have We're- either of you been there? To Oakland? Yeah. Hell no. I've actually no. been to that stadium. I can legitimately tell you that I was standing in raw sewage going to the bathroom. Oh my God. <laughs> it's an awful ballpark. It just is. So <laughs> Well they have they have possums living in the um press box. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, you know. Yeah. That's true it, by the way. It's no joke. <laughs> that said, you know, a sports hot button issue has been why should the general public have to pay for these places? You know, I mean, even the Steelers right now, we just talked about their opening game was flooded by San Francisco um, fans. That's to be expected a little bit because San Francisco is a really good team this year. They're probably expecting big things. They like to travel anyway. It's actually cheaper for them to pay horrific marked up prices here than it is for them to get into their own stadium, believe it or not. So I expect them to travel a little bit, but a lot of season ticket holders for the Steelers no longer live in Pittsburgh. So they're reselling their tickets. I'm just saying if we paid the taxes for it, why should that be the case? Why should it ever be taken over by an opposition? We watch PNC park all the time filled with, with, New York fans. When the Yankees are here, it'll be three quarters Yankees fans. You know that. So there's a, there's an argument to be made for like why that's not right either. So Major League Baseball, I think, has a big problem here that they're going to have to tackle in the next CBA, Jim. It, and I don't think there were yeah. enough owners to hold it hostage this time. But boy, these numbers, if they're true for like eight, nine teams, then I think you're going to have that fight. Well, yeah, I, Josh, you bring up a good point that Oakland's situation is, is, is a very, very unique one. And so it probably has made things worse. Um, uh, but let's say it's even marginally better other places. I don't know that we're not just still having the same conversation. So um, it's just, it's emblematic, I think, of a bigger problem that that we're seeing. And now you got these, these failures of these regional sports networks and the cable thing going on and the pirates are going to, pirates are going to take a deal that is not a deal. I mean, it's, 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 going to be less money and they're not going to be the only ones that have to do that and nothing is guaranteed in that from be for beyond another year or two and that's if that's what they do we still don't even know that right i'm saying of what of what we told that their options are and who knows you know what ends up coming but you're just getting this 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 storm of events well that was written in that piece too that even you know, Major League Baseball is holding back even more of that revenue sharing money right now because they're, first of all, trying to set aside money to get through the next CBT negotiation already, uh, or CBA, sorry. 
And uh, they're also paying out some of these teams that they're supporting that whose RSNs failed. So the A's are going to get even less than they projected this year from, from Major League Baseball, which in turn means the Pirates will as well. So Major League Baseball's got some issues, man. And I know like a lot of people like to scoff about that. We like to pretend that Bob Nutting could just do whatever. I don't believe that to be the case. I really don't. And And he can suck at the same time. I think Jim, you said that, and you said it perfectly. That's ex- it's exactly the case. He can not be a good owner. I've already said he's not a good businessman. You know, he should own parking around the place. He should own some restaurants around the place. He should own different things around PNC Park that help bring in different revenue streams. You know, to to help support your team. That's what good ownership does. That's what good businessmen do. I've never made the claim he is. But as far as Major League Baseball goes, teams like this are set up for failure. They are set up to have to jump hoops and do hurdles and find a way to creatively win. And it sucks. And that's the interesting thing is behind closed doors, you know, baseball knows this, right? They're they're aware of the problems. Yeah. But then they're going to then they're going to try They're walking this fine line of like, well, we'll start penalizing them draft picks yep. and things of that nature. And it's like, you almost wonder if some of that is just to appease some people because they clearly know that they're already being penalized before a draft ever happens before, you know, before a game is played. So yeah. they can't push them down too far. Um, I mean, the games, the, the the economics of the game are already doing that on its own. I mean, bottom line, we'll wrap up this conversation. We promised we weren't going to talk CBA a whole lot until the next time it's relevant. But this story was just too deep for us to, to pass on. Wanted to make sure we got that out there because it kind of feeds into a lot of what we've watched. You know, this, uh, oh, it shouldn't take four years to rebuild. Well, this kind of rebuild, it absolutely should take four years. It really should. You are completely tearing down to the studs and starting with kids. It's going to happen. Major League Baseball forces that on to people. And I, I think that people don't realize, like, even the Rays had to do this at one point to get to the point where they are self-sustaining with talent. Yeah. They, they've just been the smartest about making sure they stayed there. So that's where we are with Major League Baseball, and I think that's far enough for, for this one. We're, we're going to actually talk about our baseball team the rest of the way here, and we're going to start by answering a couple questions. Before I go to a break, got to get up bridge to Bucktober. Josh's comment that Yankee fans will be flocking to see Ann Duhar this weekend, and I totally agree. They want to see what they've lost, and he is the RBI. The RBI machine. Yeah, he's an RBI and machine. I've heard Greg Brown claim it. He's he's awesome. I, the only thing he has not done is pronounce it in a Spanish accent like he loves to do, you know, like RBI machine, because that's Greg Brown, you know, and, and he absolutely it, has to make sure you know. Give it time. Give it time. Yes. I'm, now I've doomed it. It's going to happen for sure. So let's go ahead and take one more quick break. We'll come back and we'll race to the finish because Jim's got to get out on time today.
Pittsburgh Sports, we take pride in coverage that connects our city's fans to their favorite teams. Now, that connection's stronger than ever. Introducing our all-new state-of-the-art app. Find expert inside reporting and original podcasts. Check live box scores. Track the latest stats. Chat it up with our community of thousands of fans, all in one place. The new app from DK Pittsburgh Sports. Coverage that connects. Welcome back to the Pirates Fan Forum here on DK Pittsburgh Sports Podcast Network. Simple question time. Josh, I'm going to start with you. I said before this season, you would like this team better in September than you did in April. Was I crazy or do you like them better? I think, yes, it's hard with all the injuries. You know, seeing the team without O'Neill Cruz and stuff like that and him being there at the beginning of the year. Right. But I think overall, especially the emergence of Piguero, because I wasn't 100% sure what he was going to be. And I'm very confident in him, in him at this point. And I, I think him kind of being a wild card for me and like gaining that confidence makes me say yes. Okay. Jim, you? I'll piggyback off that. Um, the cruise thing is is a double-edged sword. I think it did perhaps let them get a look at some players. Uh, Peguero got to be, you know, more um, needed, and and we got to see what that looks like. And I, I'm actually pretty much there with Josh on that one. I Peguero... I talk a lot about needing dudes and men out there. He looks like a man, <laughs> you know, like he, he plays like one. He looks like one. He's developed physically. Um, he's more than holding his own. Um, I think he changes a lot of things for them. Um, Cause that was going to be, um, you know, with, without knowing what Gonzalez is, is uh, that was going to be another hole, uh, which is kind of weird to say, because we all, we thought we were, pretty set there at the beginning of the year as far as having candidates um back to gary's point yeah i mean they're they're better they better be um the pitching the pitching staff really took some hits starting pitching wise and i think they would internally acknowledge if not externally at this point just by looking at it they've got some work to do there. They, they, right. They've got to get something going on that side of things with everything else they that, that they're trying to build. That has probably taken a little bit of a step back. Um, yes, I know Jared Jones. Yes, I know Solomito, all these, you know, and uh, guys like that. But we just, you, we've already seen enough with the other ones that we were already counting on the year before that, that there's bumps in the road. So they've got to get that situated. Uh, do they look better? Yeah. But there's, a, there's, there's some stuff that needs to happen for sure. I always look at it as a list of questions that I have going in. And I always talk about, let's get those questions answered as the season goes on. You hit on one of them with, with O'Neill Cruz's injury. I feel like they got 
a chance to answer some more questions than I thought they were going to get to answer with that middle infield. So I was happy to see some of that. And I was happy to see them clear some of the clutter. I went into this season, though, very worried about the starting pitching, thinking we had three. I thought we had JT Brubaker, Mitch Keller, and um, I thought before they signed Rich Hill and before they signed Vince Velasquez that Rowanzi or, or Ortiz were going to be fine this year. So I thought they were going to have three out of those four. Brubaker gets hurt. Rowanzi falls off the face of the earth. Ortiz does whatever he does, although he is looking better now. Keller takes a step forward. Oviedo really steps up. So I still have two that I feel pretty good about internally. And Ortiz is creeping back to the mean a little bit. So I feel like starting pitching is kind of a wash. The bullpen, though, taking shape. And the back end of that bullpen could be a real weapon. Majinski, Holderman, and Bednar is a lockdown 7-8-9 unit. They have not had that in years. They've had good pitchers rotate in and out that have filled roles, but th- those three in particular, that is a step up that shortens a lot of ball games. You know, I think going into next year. So I do feel better about the bullpen. There's other pieces too floating around that I think can build on that a little bit, but those are the three that I look at and I'm like, okay, you've built something that we can actually lean on in that bullpen a little bit. So I'm pretty happy with, with how the pitching has moved organically think they have to invest catching i certainly went into this year thinking they didn't have a single catcher that i felt they could shove back there and handle lion's share of games i definitely think they have that now andy rodriguez is that guy so i'm happy that they've answered a question there we have a question from somebody that's on with us today ryan says why is first base such a black hole in the organization is santana coming back that's a question they didn't answer, Jeff. So first base, to me, remains a whole. I can't give them any plus or minus there. Outfield, I feel like they've answered for now. Jack Swinski, Brian Reynolds, Juwan Bay, and what? Connor Joe, Palacios. They've got enough, I think, to start this, right? Well, Henry Davis is obviously going to be... Um, I think I, th- I think it's just becoming more clear and clearer and clearer that he's going to play right field. Um, I think he's about a month away from being told that he's done catching. Yeah, uh, boy, boy, would I love to be in a conversation about that. I can't imagine. He's not a dumb kid. He's got a four-year college education. He knows what's coming. Yeah, it's just it's just a pos- there are certain positions that. You know, catching and shortstop and center field and quarterback and things like that, where there's just a little something more to those. And boy, guys don't like giving up those positions very much. So, yes, I agree with you. Um, He'll do whatever's best for the team. I have no doubt about that. Um, First base. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I don't know. They might have enough out outfield outfield wise now if you start with Reynolds, Jack, Henry, 
Uh, Bay, perhaps, still as a utility guy back and forth, maybe. Um, Connor Joe certainly has impressed um, and probably would look better if he's not playing as much. Absolutely. Um, yeah. So, I mean, you can start going around. You can at least see, like, Andy behind the plate, Hayes, Cruz, Piguero. There's a couple holes there. The pitching. And, Gary, to your point, you know, build up that bullpen, too. Like, if there's a guy that you feel you can go out there and get because you don't have the money to go sign uh, Snell and because he's pricing himself out of the stratosphere now, um, but you could go find yourself another guy to bolster that bullpen and make it exceptionally filthy. Yeah, don't and, look now, but watch. Look what Kyle Nicholas is doing in in AAA right now. Yeah, yeah. He he could be like another Carmen Majinski type back there. And I'm telling you, the the bullpen is coming together. It should be a real weapon next year. So, I guess I I just plain and simple. I land on yes. I like the team better this year, like in September than I did in April. April, I felt like it was bought with one year contracts that I knew were going away, and now. I right. feel like this is the team that I plan to return next year with some augmentation. So to me, I, I feel like they've improved record wise. It's hard to argue they've improved. So Josh, any final thoughts on that before we move on to something else? I got other questions here. No, we can move on. All right. Let's start with Casey Hercula. He's been on the show. Y'all know him. Do you think there's any chance to finish 12 and three and go 500 for the season? I think there's a chance not saying it will happen. Well, the fact that you could go 12 and three makes it a chance. Statistically, I know that angry stats guy here is going <laughs> to agree with me that it's possible. Is it likely though? No, um, not at all, but <laughs> I, I mean, it's something hanging out there, and we've seen crazier things. They could they could go twelve and three. They went twenty and eight. There's no reason they couldn't finish the season like that and, and go five hundred. I think we are just about to the threshold where Jim and I proclaimed we would be satisfied. You know, I still have a living, breathing prognostication out there of seventy six games. I officially went back and saw. So if they win seventy six games, then I'll feel like I was right. And I can, I can brag for about two days before we get to being wrong about who they protect in the roll five. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, could they, <clears throat> I don't think the schedule favors that. Um, but we don't know who's going to be playing at the end of the year for what yet. Um, you might be able to squeeze a couple more games out of it than normal. Um, I like you know, York's goal here to catch the Reds. They're right there. So that's possible. Yeah, it is. But um, I'm looking at looking at who they have to play. I think it's just going to be a tough – to me, it's going to be a tough road. All right, Josh, let's see what we say here about this one. I'm not sure I understand this. Statistical chance we make the playoffs. Oh, no, no, no. Your stats wouldn't agree with that, would they, Josh? <laughs> <laughs> They're probably I mean, going off fan graphs, which probably gives the Pirates 0.1%. Yeah. Um, 
it's probably theoretically possible. We'd probably have to win out and everyone else in the wild card race would like have to lose out. There's I mean, a lot of teams to jump over, I think. Is there is a chance. If you yeah. want to say it, there's there's usually always a chance, unless you've been mathematically eliminated, there is a chance. Well, that's an interesting <laughs> angle, though. That's an interesting angle right there. Joshua, in your opinion, would it be good or bad for this team if they were to sneak into the playoffs? Like, And I say that for the mentality of this front office. If they were to somehow backdoor fall into the last wild card, everyone else just craps the bed and they they win somehow. Would that I, give them a false sense of what this team is over the offseason? Well, like as a fan, I'm just I, I would be happy to see it. Um, I think it would be good for the players. Um, but I do get your point. I, I could see it giving them false hope similar to kind of um, how the Orioles went into the offseason and didn't really make any signings. And I don't think we're at the point where we can do what they did and just right. not make any signings and just get a Kyle Gibson and call it a day. Well, yeah, yeah, we yeah I mean, to, we were supposed to get Kyle Gibson last year, Jim. Remember? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Funny how that worked out. Um yeah, Gary, I get what you're saying, which is back to our whole fear, whether it's individual player perform outperforming and they think that that's going to mean something in the future yeah. or the team. Um, yeah, I, you, 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 you always have that in the back of your mind that they would sit there. Oh, we finished. Uh, even if it didn't, even if they just went, I don't know, 10 and whatever. How many games are left? 19. 19. Let's say they went 14 and five, 15 and four. And they're just like, Oh buddy, we got it. We got it all figured out. Time to take the foot off the gas. I don't trust them enough to know that that doesn't really mean anything going into next year. Other than what you, what you've been doing is starting to gather momentum, but you have to see it through. Right. So there's a couple guys that you and I have, repeatedly said basically are fool's gold like let's not buy let's not go into next year counting on them let's not allow ourselves to be that way like andre jackson is a guy like that bailey falter is a guy like that uh and duhar is a guy like that um palacios even to a certain degree i don't know that i want this team thinking that that is good enough next year. That's upgrade opportunity, right? Like that in relatively affordable upgrade opportunity, you can have those guys in reserve if you want, but you can't like go in the next season, seeing them as starters or significant contributors. Right. So has anybody swayed you since we came up with that a couple of weeks ago, like Palacios, he he's a weird kind of streaky. He tends to have these, absolute killer games like where everything comes together for him he's defending his ass off he's hitting his ass off he's hitting for power he's clutch he's just he's stealing a base here and there he's diving behind someone to make sure a catch gets made one way or another and then he just goes ice cold for a couple you know 
is is that good enough? Are we gonna are we to the point where we're okay with somebody like that on the bench now? Is he able to prove that to you at his age, or do you think they gotta upgrade that sort of position no matter what? I'm actually okay with them thinking that Palacios could still be a, a, a guy you could keep on a roster that can help you out in certain situations. Um, I'm okay with that. Um, and if you miss on that, that's fine. If it doesn't work out, if he just comes back next year and it, that, that, that this was just a quick thing because you're not counting on him largely to begin with. So I'm okay with that. It's just when you get to the other side of the equation is and you're looking at whether it's Andre Jackson or Bailey Falter or guys like that or Andujar, who I think Greg Brown would insert into the lineup <laughs> yesterday if he possibly yes. could. Like those He'd are the also guys. already have the tender offered for arbitration right now. <laughs> right, yes. right. Those are the guys that I worry about. I can, I can, I can live with some of those other ones that aren't going to need to be counted on to begin with in that in, in a huge role. It's just that, and I joked about this with you, Gary, as we were talking about Andre Jackson. It's like it's it's almost goes against you as a fan to want to root for the guy not to do well, but. I also don't want him tearing it up because then I think, oh boy, here we go. So yeah, it depends to me on the on the player and the usage. And if you miss on a small guy, I'm okay with that. Josh, anybody like that sticking out to you? The the fringe guys or people that you really just don't think are going to matter, but they're kind of showing you maybe they do a little bit. Um, I I do like Palacios as a bench bat. I don't think he gets on base enough to ever be an everyday player. Right. And I don't think he ever will just because he has the same issue Andor has. He hits a lot of ground balls instead of being able to foul pitches off and um, take a walk. Um, uh, but I I, I kind of like Bailey Falter. Mm-hmm. I don't want to slot him in as a starter, but I would not mind if he was like, that sixth guy that was like battling for a fifth spot. You mean kind of like what Philly did to him like the last two years? Yeah. But that might be his role. Yeah. And I understand why they went after him with his extension and everything like that. And I like what I've seen. And I was one of the few people that was actually for the trade just because, you know, the pirates struggle getting left-handed starting pitching Mm-hmm. And I think there is something in Falter. I just don't know if it's a starter or a bulk guy. Yeah, I haven't hated watching him either this year. I actually think his fastball's got a little bit of deception to it. it it's and he's it's, not a bad pitcher. It, like, and I'd say if this was 2022, I'd be talking excitedly about next year him having a shot to win it in spring. And I think the difference for me is going into 2024. I just want to make sure that, yeah, he could always shock the world and take that fifth spot that we leave open, but I don't want to count on him. I don't want to count on him any more than I want to count on Paul Skeens. I don't want to count on jo- Jared Jones. I don't want to count on Priester. I want them all to, to fight and win and take it over if it, if it happens to be that they're better. But until then, if 
if you're serious about really improving and competing next year, I don't think you can go into the season that way. So it's just a different conversation. I think that we're all trying to have delicately and it, it's, yeah. it's hard to, to, to say this is a guy that historically watching this show, you'd have heard Gemini praising talking about how excited we were that they found this guy for Rodolfo Castro. But that's where my head is just in a different place going into this off season. Yeah, it's and people I think interpret it as you don't like the guy or that you think there's no value there whatsoever. Right. It it's just the at the stage that you're at that falter needs to be a backup plan. You know, somebody that if it works out, great. I mean, that's just another arm. It's it's somebody that you figured out and tapped into something and he's become very useful. Yeah. It's just that he can't be like one of the couple guys you're thinking one of them has to do it because that's what we've got. It just can't that that that's that little little turn of the knob, I think, of like how you have to look at it. <laughs> the crappy thing is though, I'm listening to Josh and I'm like, oh man, I remember being that optimistic about players like that. You know, and and our, it's not that he that anything he said is wrong. It literally is just that the stage of this build has changed to me. And I can't look at it like that anymore. I have to look at that as depth because it's untested. So everything that's untested to me goes in a, a separate bucket of backup until you make it happen. And I just want the team to be thinking differently. So, yeah, it's... We- it's, we would be, it's strange. Yeah. I mean, that, and that's the thing. Like, if Rivas would have done anything since he's been here, we'd be having the same conversation about Rivas, right? Yeah. That, oh, you know, is this, the, you, you would be hearing the announcers. I mean, Bob Walk the other day said, you know, is Pagaro a reserve guy, a starter? I mean, really, Bob? You, you think he could be a, a starting outfielder? You would even throw that out there? I'm sorry, uh, Palacios. I said Piguero, I think. Yeah. Um, again, that it's just changing the it's just changing the mindset, and we would be having that with Rivas as well. Thank th- I hate to say that. Thank goodness he didn't he didn't work out because it was still going to be a hole regardless. It, it's such a strange point, man. But like, it's such one, a weird, it's yeah, such a weird thing to like. And on Twitter, Twitter, everything gets lost anyway. You don't have the time to explain it. Well, so it's a no very weird. For, yeah, there's it's no a room very for nuance there. It's a very weird mindset to have to be in. And pirate fans have been trained a certain way, I think, whether we realize it or not, to not have a higher threshold of what we should expect. Absolutely. So, hey, Jim, you're the one that's got to get out of here. So, yeah, sorry about that, guys. Let's not let's not make you have to uh, miss your appointment because of your own self. So, I'll stop you from talking, and I'll say, perfect, perfect. <laughs> say, good Josh, stuff, that was man. good stuff, man. Thanks for joining us, brother. No problem. Give him a follow, Angry Stats Guy. He's on Pirates Twitter. As long as you guys will leave him alone about Jack Sawinski and quit bugging him about dumb things, he'll he'll be on there more often. Especially next year, I'm sure, as they're going to be better. I love, so. I love how Jack has already gotten hot again, and now it's just, it's just a total mind melt for everyone. So Absolutely. that's entertaining. 
So, hey, let's end the show the way we always do. Let's throw it off to our buddy, Ben. And for those of you watching on video, I will say it. Let's go, Bucks. Let's go, Bucks!